0: Well, this is going to be a very honest and candid conversation uh, with someone that I'm hoping to call a friend soon. We will become friends, but we've been acquaintances and we've worked together for some time. A leader, a person that I deeply re- admire and deeply respect. And he doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. He will always tell you what you need to hear. And so I'm super excited to have Stephen Sweb does anyone call you Steven? I'm just gonna call you Sweb. I'm excited to have Sweb here. Steven Webb.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yes. Way better. My mom and my wife would say Steven, but that's weird. So
0: yeah, that's weird. This is Sweb. Sweb, what's up? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Man, thank you for letting me have a candid conversation. That's my, that's a good setup on the candid part. Now I know what I could unlock or don't hold back with or whatever. So yeah, man, uh, man, things are good with me. Um, I, uh, as you know, but now we can tell everybody else, I live in the great state of Florida and uh, came down here uh, working with the phenomenal Elevation Church, uh, of course, where we got connected and then resigned a little over a year ago to continue doing what I had been doing, kind of on the side and to help people just because, you know, obviously working with Elevation benefited me in a way to meet friends worldwide. And uh, we were able to serve a lot of different churches in a kind of an unofficial capacity. But when I resigned staff, um from from elevation there i uh I jumped into that kind of full-time I'm still answering questions for people at church mainly mainly church leadership stuff some structure processes type of things but I, anything that's remotely related to kind of church ministry stuff and at least in the, in the kind of style of church that we do things then i like to talk about it and every now and then somebody might actually pay me for it that's kind of how i make a living and spend most of my time
0: i love it tell us a little bit about what you've Done with elevation. I know you've done a lot, and now you're. I love that you're spreading yeah. that blessing all around the world, <clears throat> which you did with elevation as well. But what did you do for, for them?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, got hired originally uh, way back in 2011 to essentially answer a request that so many people were having is like, hey, will you put elevation in our town or, you know, in my area, my country, even? And uh, obviously, that's a really big deal these days, you know, the online ministry kind of ideas pretty huge around. And I think Elevation is probably the leader in that, but this was before all of that became kind of a trend. And ultimately my job was to basically answer that question, yes or no. Yes, we'll put a church there, no we won't. Most of the time, of course it was no. And that morphed (laughs) over many years. I was on staff for just under 10 years and uh, that morphed into basically becoming my title at the end was expansion pastor, but I got to steward conversations that ultimately led to 11 of our 20 elevation campuses outside the city of Charlotte, so I was the guy that was beyond Charlotte, even though I lived in Charlotte, uh, my job was expanding uh, the elevation reach uh, beyond that from a church uh, campus, more of a traditional mindset at least, that kind of Ministry. Now I did some other little things on the side, which was kind of fun. There was a season in there where I was uh, over the uh, TV ministry, Stephen Furtick Ministries. Uh, So there was a lot of social media and traditional media, TV media, and all that kind of stuff. So I did that for a little while, and then also served as an associate campus pastor at our headquarters campus there for for a minute or two. But ultimately, uh, everything I did there for that almost decade was uh, building new things, which would include building new leaders. Uh, or fixing some broken or stagnant things. Um, and that that wasn't on my official bio, but I think it was pretty well known among all staff, that that was a pretty good role I could fill.
0: That's true. If, if there was a really tough problem or a challenge, you can always find someone pointing back to Sweb. And maybe you ought to get with Sweb for 30 <laughs> minutes. And, and it was honored because anytime you text Sweb, and I remember right, the first time I texted you and I was on staff, you're like, all right, man, let's set up some time, call me. And it was just always a refreshing because you would give a lot of uh, feedback and a lot of guidance. And you said something that really stood stuck with me and I want to bring it back now. We're just going to jump right in. And I think I may have, you know, as with everything, when you play the telephone game or you repeat something, you begin to alter it a little bit. So I know you're gonna be able to correct it. You said something about if you can't count what matters, you'll make what you can count matter. Is that, is that what you said? Yes.
1: That's so good. Yeah. I should write that down. That sounded really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was helpful because at the time I was was building some teams and, you know, bringing it all into perspective, I was asking you about some things on leadership, particularly in building teams on a church. It's a very different world when you're building teams out of an entirely volunteer force. And although every job is voluntary, I remember being in boot camp and drill sergeants yelling in your face like, you volunteered to be here. Yeah, sure. But now I'm obligated. (laughs) It's an entire volunteer force. So you could have your whole team quit at the drop of a dime. And so I'm trying to get granular and some little tactics and details and you zoomed it out on me and you said that, and it was a game changer for me. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Man. Yeah. I like that. Now I gotta, I gotta tell you, I actually had picked that up along the way and I can't tell you who the author was even, but I just, that stuck with me too. Uh, I think I might be the one who put it in that kind of simple form, but I just think that's, uh um, Man, it's just—I uh, mean, to me, that seems like a virus out there where we chase whatever we can understand. Uh, you might have heard even other people preach about or teach about labels, right? It's, if, if you can't can't understand something, just label it, and it automatically becomes more simple or more, um, you know, controllable or whatnot. So this is kind of in that same vein, but yeah, ultimately, um, it's easier to feel successful if you're the one that can control the definition of success. And while I think sometimes that is fun and, and in different industries, that is helpful uh, and possible and, and, and healthy. I don't think that's a bad thing in ministry, for example, that we don't need to compare maybe our church ministry to another church ministry. That's not the proper scoreboard. So I, I think that that's uh, good sometimes. But a lot of times you might find a metric that's moving faster <clears throat> than others. And um, it might not be the primary thing, but because you can, <laughs> because you can celebrate it, all of a sudden you make it the primary thing. And I don't, I don't know that that's helpful. It's interesting how those metrics can end up driving your mission or vision rather than the other way around. And uh, you, know, you might start your, your job or your ministry or any, anything in, in one direction uh, to achieve a certain uh, you know, outcome or whatnot. But if the metrics aren't lining up in a way to get you a certain accolade, whether it be public or even just your own self internally, you wanna feel better about it. Uh, I've seen people change their whole theology even based on numbers they can understand or move um, because they frankly got tired of being, you know, in a number, a metric and a system that, that wasn't as, I don't know, they, they couldn't control it as much. Anyway, I, I see that on a lot of levels. I think most, you know, my, my industry is church. And so I see it happen probably more so then because, <laughs> because we can kind of control our own scoreboard, um, but I'm glad it helped you. And it still does help me too. I still find myself wrestling through that. Wait a second. Am I chasing a number that's irrelevant? Hang on a second. Am I chasing a number that's, that's interesting, but it's not the primary object- objective here. I do find myself doing that on a, on a regular basis. Uh, and if, let me give you one example of, of how I think this actually happens uh, in, in a world. I think everyone can understand is I think people will do that on their scale when they're weighing themselves in the morning. Wow. And uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, uh, and I'll get on and off the scale too. I have it in my closet. I, I, I weigh myself almost every day. It's just part of my rhythm. But you know, man, uh, a lot of our listeners would know, man, if, you, if you're if you working out in a substantial, like, let's say you're lifting weights, you're going to gain weight, literally weight. Now, you want to lean out, I understand. You want to limit maybe a certain carb intake or whatnot. But, but the point is, that number on that scale does not tell a complete story. But because it's one that you can see every morning, and you know, as well as I do, is if you drink a little more water, you're going to weigh a little bit more. Well, you tell you what, I just won't, I just won't drink as much water today. then. Or I tell you what, I'll eat, I'll eat food that fills me up and it's fluffy. Uh, it's not as dense. It's not as lean, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And so even that's a real world example that everyone can relate to that, they, that begins to drive towards a place of unhealth, even though we like to all think a lower number makes us healthier on the scale.
0: That's true wow I'm glad that you mentioned that example specifically because it really brings back to my I am yes a person that jumps on the scale from time to time we we both had some big boy days in our past I was I was 330 <laughs> yes, at man. one time how, how big were you at mm. your at your largest at no your peak
1: way. I was I see but you're a big guy I'm not as big as you I'm five nine and I was around the 220 range for my heaviest.
0: Wow. So, See, 220 is my goal, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was 330 at one point. And so, yes, I very, man. you know, health matters, fitness matters. And, you know, you have a great story, your fitness journey as well. And we're both kind of keto fanatics mm-hmm. and, and uh, enthusiasts. Yes, yes. So, you know, with mm-hmm. that, getting on the scale, I've been really trying to get down 220 is like my, my, my prime. And so in trying to do that, it's interesting because there are weeks where I won't move the needle at all, but I know I'm doing all the right things. I'm working out on my nutrition is proper, but I gain a pound and I know, you know, muscle weighs uh-huh. more than fat, but it still sucks to not see it. But then there, like mm-hmm. literally this last week, my wife and I, we went out to vacate for a vacation and we came back and I was lighter, but I knew I ate and drank and was merry and it was not good but I'm lighter. So I'm like, I feel great. And, and we, we deceive ourselves into believing that that is progress. And you can take that well, and correlate it, like you said, into business or your industry and say, well, those numbers look good. So I guess it's okay. And, and ultimately be cannibalizing or causing serious damage to your team or your real growth.
1: Yes. Yeah. Happens all the time, man. Happens all the time and everybody gets sucked into it. Um, And then it's something they can highlight, something they can brag about. And I I definitely think people should feel, you know, fulfilled in what they do for sure. But I just don't want a number to, to be the thing that gives me that fulfillment. So yeah, man. Let's uh, steer clear of that. <laughs> well, you know,
0: we, we live in a world where it's, it's promoted, right? Your your Instagram yeah. account, everything it has followers, it has likes, and I've uh, Instagram has a new feature now where you can hide your like count, and I do it because it's like I don't doesn't yeah. matter. I hide it, and I wish you could just hide followers. I wish you could hide all of that. Gary V a big uh, you know proponent <laughs> of that, saying just hide all of it because then people would just create and they wouldn't care. But we attach our social yeah. status to that, and you know that's just the world we live in, and we. I remember making a post recently on Instagram and it was a video and per Instagram or per the world, it was a utter failure, like 400 views. But then one person commented and he said, I heard this person and heard this person and heard this person and you were on this person's podcast. And this led this led me to you. And I'm so thankful for the things that you say, because it changes my paradigms entirely. And I know I need to grow 400 views, but that one comment, right? I can't going back to, again, the numbers we can see, we try to make them matter all the views but that one person commenting, like we have to be attached to that. So you're a professional in helping people build. I mean, you're a builder. There was one time I remember you put on a job description. Okay. Candid moment, just complete honesty. I've never admitted this before. There were several times in my tenure at elevation, my short, short time there that I peeked over and I saw where Sweb was hiring people for his team or his department. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I would die to be over there. But one time you put on the job description has to like building Legos or something to that degree. And it's stuck with yeah. me. Yeah. So why?
1: Yeah, no, I posted that. That's a good post, man. It's still out there uh, somewhere on my, my uh, Instagram, uh, you know, homepage or whatever. Um, and I've actually shared that again, multiple times I actually help other churches, write Maybe a higher now hiring type of promo like that. Um, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. So definitely go back in there if you're listening and find that. Uh, and that's definitely how I would write those things. Because first of all, before I even get to the Lego part, I would just say I, I'm trying to I'm trying to put people on my team that I want to work with or that are going to achieve us, you know, or be able to uh, contribute in some way to help us achieve, obviously, whatever the objective is or whatnot. I, I don't. I'm not really looking for what school you graduated from 20 years ago. Like that's just irrelevant to me. So I know this isn't a conversation necessarily about HR practices, but um, but I was like, wait a second. If I really I need a team player to to do this particular task or to fit this particular campus in my case, I would have to find these things. I'm like, well, what does that look like? And then I would try to find real world everyday things. In this case, Legos um, that would be example. Plus. Uh, some of these items, again, Legos is a good example, is something that almost everyone has heard of or knows about. So even if they don't like Legos, it's intriguing enough for them to then want to follow up on that question and find out, wait a second, I I don't like Legos, but can I still be on your team? Or vice versa. I I didn't think I wanted to be on your team, but now that you say you play with Legos, maybe I do. So it it still opened up a different conversation that i found to always be more helpful and healthy. So, excuse me, for me on Legos, it's just a good example of I'm looking for a problem solver. And I'm looking for somebody who's creative, and I don't mean creative in the way that the quote creatives have hijacked that word. <laughs> I don't think creative means wearing a scarf in the summertime or writing a song or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't buy that. I feel like I want my word back. You know, um, I, I create. I create things as well. You do. We we all do, honestly. So, but I, I am looking for somebody that can take maybe nothing and turn it into something, can can solve a problem, can create questions, can create uh, maybe a new way to view an old item like Legos. It's really just blocks. I mean, think about how boring a Lego is. If you go back to its core product of it just being a four by four square um, or four by two or two by two square, excuse me, or four by one, those are some basic blocks. But man, it's one of the most recognizable brands in the world. It's a multi-multi-billion dollar company and in industry. And um and it's just fun for everybody and I'm, I'm looking for that I mean is that not also kind of the, the story of building the church like what yeah. what do you have to bring me and God's like and I'll put something to work there there's old testament stories new testament stories but like you bring me something to work with I'll do something with it and to me that's a lego type of a thing and so again it was a provocative way for me to stir up a conversation rather than Tell me about the last big church you were part of. Yeah. What industry, or excuse me, what seminary or colleges you go to. I was like, no, show me how you can build something and have a little bit of fun because that's what we're going to do on this team.
0: I love that. And I love how it sticks. Obviously, it sticks. This is probably a year or two ago and it still st- stuck with me. Yep. And so I wondered, I was curious to think, well, why does he do that? And now, even just in that, for people that are listening, that's tremendous value. Make your, your uh, job posting something that's relatable, that makes them want to, that correlates exactly. it too, right? Not all of these tremendous, you know, all these big wordy legalese things that just shut the brain off. Uh, so I, I do <laughs> love that. And now are there actual Legos when you make your way onto your team? Do we sit in staff meetings and build?
1: Uh, you know, it has been done. Yes, I wouldn't say it's a standard, but yes, it actually has been done. Uh, matter of fact, just a little funny story. Years ago at Elevation, Uh, one of our hiring practices was um, to bring in all these new guys to apply, to basically apply. (laughs) You know, it's like a, it's a preview weekend, but you're still not guaranteed a job, but we'll kind of put you in this little, you know, speed dating round of sorts and all that. Anyway, the very first one we ever did, I, I brought this to the table. And I wanted to see how people would work together because in this particular example, this expression, they were people from literally around the country. They didn't know each other. They're from different places coming to do different jobs. And we, went to the store. I actually, I think my wife went to the store. I said, just pick three of your favorite Lego kits, just buy them and bring them to me. And, uh, and we put them in groups of two or three people. And we said, Hey, you have 10 minutes to complete this entire Lego thing. And we wanted to see who would work together, who would argue, who would take control. You know, there's always that dominant person that decides they'll I'll just handle it, you know? So we're just, and we were evaluating all that, but it turned out to be really insightful. It wasn't a deal breaker for anybody in that particular day. Um, I have, used it uh, like that in the past uh in in other scenarios where i I have made it a deal breaker it's a great way to expose somebody who just doesn't want to be a team player it exposes somebody who maybe says hey this is childish i don't want to do this and so then they just cross their arms and quit and i'm like whoa i can't i can't deal with that either (laughs) we're just talking about legos bro wow so um so yeah i still i still bring them out it still is helpful because it's such a ninja boot right? Like if you're applying for a job at a church, uh, and again, this is just for my industry, I understand, but this, I think there's parallels for banking or whatever else. But if you're applying for a job at a church, you probably plan to tell your testimony or something churchy like that. You probably plan to answer three questions about integrity or something. That's fine. That's all real cliche stuff, which means you've probably practiced it and uh, Mm -hmm. you've thought through the right words and you've probably watched a few sermons or worship songs from the people you're applying to so that you can make sure that you show them that you're a fan and but Legos kind of, le- you know, levels the playing field. I would say sports probably does too, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, let's see what you can do. Can you follow directions? Like Legos will prove that. Um, are you too cool for this? Legos will prove that too. Um, you know, can again, can you be a team player and maybe be open to somebody building it a different way? Legos will prove that. <laughs> I don't wow. I don't need to have a some sort of degree in HR and I don't need to have some psychology degree. I can give you some Legos and determine whether I like you or not, whether we're going to work well together.
0: I'm still in that. I'm still in that. And I will, I will give you credit for probably the first 10 times. And then it's mine. But yeah, that is, man, that is awesome because you really do. You really get to see the measure of not the measure of a person, but the mindset of a person. And honestly, of course, because we use the Enneagram and we teach businesses how to leverage it and use it properly and hopefully properly. Right. You could see all of that Mm -hmm. with some Legos. So we can send you all these assessments, but you can also just put them under the Legos and see right? who is the more submissive one, who is the one that goes straight to the instructions. I'll tell you this much. This is exactly how I would have responded. I would have went straight to seeing the pieces and looking at the picture. I probably wouldn't have went to the instructions, and I would have started to kind of bring some people together. It reminds me, actually, uh, when I was in the police academy back in 2014 or so, they had a stress test, of course, as soon as you get to the police academy. And they tell you to park a block away. We all had police units because we were all in departments at the time. And then we had to walk a block over full gear. They had us in full police gear, go into this auditorium and be there at this time and just stand in front of a chair, make sure you're all in order. So of course they're seeing like, who are the ones that didn't follow the rules? And then they shut the doors and they just left us standing there for like 15 minutes. So now we're just like confused and frustrated Then they bust in there and they're yelling at us, screaming at us. You parked in the wrong place. Go move your cars. You need them right here. So they're seeing who's listening, who can handle the pressure. So we have to run now a block, boots, vest, belt, all of it, get in our units and they start pulling them in. So they said, we want them lined up. We want them reversed in and we want them to be even. So they're seeing us as we're pulling in and it's chaos. So I whip my unit in there and I reverse it in and I'm out there and I'm just like, is is no one going to take control? Now we know this about type eights, when there's a vacuum or there's a void, they're going to step into it because it's just, and and it's threatening to some and it's frustrating to others. But when the pressure's on, it's such a strength. So I start doing it, start putting people into place. And before you know it, we have our cars were lined up and it was madness. And they said, Hey, congratulations. You're the class leader. And had I have known, I don't know. I didn't know that I was going to do that. And of course I loved it. But at the same time, you know, they're looking for things like that. And so I can only imagine, you know, in hiring practices for leaders, you can find creative ways to do things like that. And I really like the tempo it sets for your culture because it shows that just in that we are, I think, it, you know, we're outside of the box or we're creative or we're fun. We're energetic. Like we're going to do these instead of sitting down in a room and people faking their way through it. So I, it re- reminds me of that. And I'm seeing the intentionality behind it. That's good. So we, yeah, started to yeah, touch, we started to touch on the Enneagram a little bit. And you existed in Elevation's mm-hmm. culture for a long time. And Elevation was actually the company that introduced me to the Enneagram because it was part of the hiring process. And I loved it. It was transformative to me. Obviously, I turned it into a business and now we use it as a huge tool in true strategy because it's simply a tool. But there are some that abuse it and there are some that, uh, that they, they, they get that little bit of power just enough that they're dangerous. So I want to know you know, one, what are some benefits that you found in using a tool like the Enneagram? And then just, what are some cautions for people as they implement it in their businesses?
1: Yeah, that's good. Can I, let me start with my story of how I kind of heard of Enneagram. It's not very long. Yes, please. But, um, but I, I, it was a, it was a church thing for me too, at Elevation. Uh, and, uh, and I know I, I know enough now and I have read plenty of the books and naturally, as you can imagine, there's plenty of quote, experts out there who want to inform you what your number is. So by now collecting all of that information, some of it asked for, some of it not, um, I, you know I know I know what it is and how long it's been around, and all those kind of things. But of course, in the moment, it was like, hey, you are a blank and they're assigning you a number ASAP, some quote expert who probably just read a book yesterday and all that. That's kind of how it came to me. And I'm like, what is this sorcerer you're talking about? Stop calling me a number. And so I was pretty quick to be like, hey, that sounds neat, but I don't, I don't have time for that because it was delivered to me in a very incomplete way and almost wow. accusatory, you know, like, oh, you're that, you're that number. I'm like, is that a prime number? Is that a bad, is it an even number? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, But it was, it was again, going back to that label thing where it's just quick to label somebody. So that's how I was introduced to it. And so I was pretty standoffish at the beginning, but that would be true for, uh, spiritual gifts and, um, all, all kinds of other like assessment type of things, both in the church world or beyond. Um, that if they're not used well, like, I mean, like you said, this is a tool, but you need to be a craftsman who can wield the tool, right? It's not, you know, just cause it's a tool. I don't know that everybody can stand up and start swinging it the same way. So,
0: yeah, wow.
1: um, so being introduced to it wrong uh, put me on my heels a little bit. But then, uh, but then yeah, over time, uh, because we ended up using the tool very well with professional trained people at Elevation uh, and then people that we would then send to become trained or equipped to better discuss this, um, it, it was really, really insightful for me. Um, and so uh, then what has been beneficial to me where I think it's most helpful for me not just for like me knowing that I'm an eight didn't how I operate, and maybe what other numbers I might, you know, fall to here and there during, or, you know, through different, uh, you know, attitudes or seasons, but also how to lead people depending on what number that is. Cause naturally I'm leading a decent amount of people during the season of elevation. Uh, I think I had, you know, 70 or 80 people ultimately underneath me on the org chart. Wow. And they all didn't directly report to me, obviously through that structure we had, but Um, but I still wanted to know them so I could in in some way resource them, uh, maybe address them better in a meeting or whatnot. And so I've seen it used very well. Um, and it's, it's helped me most when I, when I am hearing people say, Hey, here's what I am like, here's how I've been trained and, and learned kind of who I am and my personality and all these different things. And it's like, Hey, thank you for telling me that now I know in this case, what number you are and you know, how I can interpret a few of your kind of things, whether it be body language or maybe how you address certain things. By the way, here, I'm an eight. And here's an example, a story from last week, last month about how that kind of has played out. And so my favorite, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Obviously you're the professional here, but generally my favorite use of the Enneagram is, is kind of in the mirror, not as some sort of awareness to, you know, attack or even fix somebody else. And that's where I've seen it done wrong. Mm -hmm is when you, again, get an expert, which usually just means somebody with a little extra time on their hands. <laughs> They're like, you are a, you know? So I, I have a joke, matter of fact, it's on my bio. Uh, it may still be on my website. Um, and It's just kind of a joke. But I said, uh, at, the, at the end of my bio, uh, you know, cause everybody wants to know what your Instagram numbers these days. I said, I'm an eight, dot, dot, dot. At least that's what all the ones tell me. And uh, you know, it's just because that's kind of how the joke was. I would always have somebody accusing me of something or they would say, oh man, you're so eight, you know? I'm like, what does that, what does that mean? So anyway, that's obviously the negative way, but it's been very most, most beneficial to me in the mirror for sure.
0: I love it. Yeah, no, and I do appreciate your, your candid, uh, input there because I'm probably the most anti, um, not anti-Enneagram, but I just put it, we use it in its proper place, right? It's just a tool. And you know, for people that are believers, uh, there are some believers that are hesitant to it because of certain things. And it's so powerful that some people make it God. For example, a very bad use is if you happen to be introduced to the Enneagram and you're having struggles with your spouse, it's a bad Mm -hmm. sign. If you say, let's go to the Enneagram instead of let's go to the word, right? (laughs) Right. That happens because it's like, oh, what an insightful tool or, you know, but Mm. it's not a bad sign if you say, let's go to the word. Now, given some understanding that the Enneagram provides, we can use mm-hmm. and more clearly interpret and put the word into use. So you know things like that. As any tool, it can be abused. And so I love that uh, we'd be able to have some candid conversation around it. Because if you see Sweb yeah. publicly, uh, you know you'll see. I don't think he likes the enneagram, but <laughs> it just to
1: <doesn't laughs> be put in the proper place. It's,
0: it's simply a tool. Yeah. Um,
1: so hang on. So my wife brought that very thing up. She knows she knows I'm talking to you, and she's recently just left to get the kids or whatever. But she was asking me oh yeah, you're going to do your Enneagram thing. And talk about that thing that you hate so much. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, I, and she knows better. She was just picking on me. I was like, no, no, you know I don't hate the Enneagram. Or I don't hate them. There's a lot of stuff I don't hate. But I hate the worship of it. I yes. hate, uh, you know, oh, you're that spiritual gift. Oh, you're that Enneagram number. Oh, you're from that town. Oh, you're Northern. No, you're Southern. You know, it's that kind yeah. of stuff. And that just wears me out. But because Enneagram, because it's so positive and I think so accurate, so helpful, um, people now again they weaponized it, uh, even more so the more ignorant they are of it they weaponized it. Uh, they read a book and now they only speak in numbers and that's that, I, and I, I say worship but it's that worship of a system or, or, or a tool. And um, and that's the part that I do hate. So yeah, and I've posted a few things about that for sure. But I love the air by itself.
0: Yes, and and in its proper use, and I would agree. Those things really frustrate me because you know I'm I'm, I'm I clearly use it in our business, and so it can be so quickly abused mm. that it gives people a yeah. bad taste. And if I was introduced yeah. to it the way you were as an eight myself, I would have felt the same exact way. And so I was able to discover it on my own, and you know. The podcast is called more than numbers, because it speaks to two things that you've touched on one being more than the number of your Enneagram type, obviously, because it's Enneagram for business, but also your business, your people, your bottom line is all more than numbers as well. There are souls and mm-hmm. people attached to it. So it's multiple, right. it has a multi, multiple meanings. And so with that in understanding the Enneagram, it speaks to the nuance of our differences it doesn't speak to all that we are it speaks to some of those differences it's not the entire picture it's a small piece of it because by and large we're all very similar right and, and i want to emphasize that in the way that politics has so uh, overwhelmed people over the last year we are all more alike than different turn off cnn and turn off fox where they're telling you the 2% where we disagree right uh but in that mm-hmm. you know yeah. we're able to see i have this 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 theory that i'm working on and it's that let me walk you through. I don't want to get your feedback on it. Yeah. As type 8s, we're not a type 8. We are rather the culmination of our wings 7 and 9 and our paths 2 and 5. And all of those types or those characteristics actually converge on what we are making us an 8. You see how it's it's kind of an outside in approach? So then really you're not just yes. one type. You're you're a culmination of these five Groupings of characteristics. And I, I, I put that in a way uh, recently at a speaking engagement. This guy, he was, he worked corporate sales business development for decades. And he was in the, the, the networking group that I was speaking to. And he sat there, you know, you always have that one when you speak, that's just, you know, sour in the face. He's just there for the lunch. And I start talking about it. And all of a sudden you see him start loosening up. And I, I, I said that he had never been introduced to Enneagram before I said that. And then I also said, it doesn't just tell you who you are. It tells you what you look like at your best, worst, and everything in between. Because in and out of every circumstance, we're not the same person. And all of a sudden he starts leaning mm-hmm. in. So at the end, he said, when you said that I'm bought in, he said, I've taken every assessment there is. And that's what pissed me off. He said, because what if I'm hungry? What if I'm sleepy? What if I'm, you know, I just won the lottery. You can't say I'm the same person. Right. Right. I digress. I'd love that's your good. feedback on that.
1: Man, I just, I don't have a lot of scientific feedback to give you, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know how to respond to that in a, in an in intelligent way, but I just, I can say, cause nobody's ever said it that way to me. So that, that, that's super duper helpful. Like that totally makes more logical sense to me, not even having to know and have memorized all the little things of, like you said, those pathways or whatnot. But it makes a lot more sense. Um, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. I don't know when you said you're working on a theory. I don't know what you mean working on because that sounds pretty polished and, <laughs> and valid right there. But, but I, I appreciate it. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to reread my uh, assessment um, document or whatever. I'm going to reread it with that lens. And that actually is really like a lot helpful, seriously.
0: I appreciate that, brother. I'm glad that that is helpful. Well, you know, as we're closing up, I know that people want to engage with you. You are actually on our True Strategy platform. We want to collaborate. I don't know what we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, but maybe I'll just turn on a camera and let you speak. But, you know, they can engage Damn with man. you there. But you you work with churches. Tell us more about what you do and where people can find you, because I know they're going to want more SWEB. Sure,
1: sure. I appreciate that. So uh, Stephen P. Webb on Instagram and StephenPWebb.com. Um, is a relatively static website just to kind of get some baseline information and you can get on my calendar or whatnot. But uh, Instagram is probably the best place to see kind of what I think. Uh, and if I had a product of sorts, what people probably call me for, pay me for, um, and, uh, and and mainly just want to jump on the calendar and process with, with me about some different things is I'm going to provide another way to think about it. I actually own that domain too, another way to think about it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of things for me, uh, aren't necessarily right or wrong or, or good or bad. I do think obviously those things are out there. But for, for me, I'm happy for you to do something that I think is not smart. I just want to know that you thought about it. And a lot of stuff we do in life more and more and more, kind of to your point of CNN and Fox and that, that world we live in these days, we outsource our thinking to so many other things, to food, to hunger, to feelings, to politicians or whatever. We outsource our thinking. People just stop thinking. And it's Tuesday. On Tuesdays, we do blank. You know, it's Saturday. On Saturday, we do blank. And it's just a robotic thing. And I just hate that so much. And I don't use the word hate a lot, but I hate that so very much. So I I have my product is perspective and wisdom, practical wisdom more so, I guess, more specifically. And, and I provide that mainly for churches, church leaders. A lot of senior pastors and executive leaders uh, would call me, and I spend a lot more time with them. And then what I do, if I can say that at least, uh, or as well, is... Yeah. Uh, my quote clients are people, churches, mostly again, that are going to call me for a longer three, four, five months contract where I can be essentially a remote staff member for them at, uh, essentially a fraction of the price of what they would pay to have somebody either with my experience or that role I can serve, they're going to pay a lot more money. And then in my case, I'm like, Hey, let me, let me come in and maybe do some heavy lifting for you for a few months. And you may find that you don't need me beyond that. I can save you. Let's call it a hundred thousand dollars. And so I like that and all that's just, let's just think together. Let's work together. Let me, let me give you some cheat codes to church growth and leadership growth that I'm pretty sure you haven't thought about before, but I've seen it wow. in small church and big church um, more than just elevation. I'm not trying to make everybody elevation out there. Um, and so that's kind of what I do. And it's, it's been really fun. I, I love getting to connect with people who want to build something on purpose, uh, whether it be people, churches, whatever teams, and, and then, uh, and I like to do it through like hard wrestling, like thinking about stuff, not just following somebody else's handbook. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. And so, yeah, that's what I do.
0: I love it. You, you sell perspective and tactical wisdom. My mind is still reeling mm-hmm. about the fact that we outsource our thinking. I've never felt my mind feel like it was actually blowing or exploding. Like I did at that moment, right? Stop outsourcing your thinking. stop Oh it. man. I, I knew that this would be an awesome candid conversation. We have to do it again. Deal. Yes. Yes. Let's do it, please. Awesome. Well, thank you for having, thank you for joining us. I know that uh, there a lot of value is added here. Value is added to me. So we'll have it on again. Hey, final question: Are you going to start a podcast? What's going on? Come in.
1: That's a great major market teaser right there. One of these days I will. Maybe it's in the works. Maybe it's not.
0: (laughs) All right, listen, when you start the podcast and you need to send it, we'll have you back on to promote it because you are just a gift to the world. There's 8 billion people out there and we need more of you. Uh, We need more of me. I'm a very abundance-minded person. So I hope someone listens to this and says, I'd rather work with Sweb. You would be blessed. So thank you, brother.
1: That's right. I appreciate
0: that. Thank you for joining us on another episode of More Than Numbers Enneagram for Business. I hope this candid conversation was valuable to you as it pertains to building in whatever it is that you're building, whether it's your business, your team, or even just for your own personal growth. If you don't know your Enneagram type, follow the instruction in the show notes and you'll be able to find your Enneagram type. And if you do know your Enneagram type and you want to engage further, then you can follow the instructions to engage with our assessment as well and get a five-page report on your Enneagram type. Thank you for spending time with us. If this was your first time, thank you for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode.